You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston and Chris Trent. Episode number 82. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now, your hosts, Jody Livingston and Chris Trent. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thanks for making this podcast today a part of your day. If it's your first time checking out the show, welcome. We are glad you're here. And if you're coming on back, well, welcome on back. If you have not already, make sure you subscribe to the show so that you can get uh, the episodes as they come out each and every week. Um, So wherever that is, iTunes, podcast player, uh, make sure you subscribe to that. You can find us on social media pretty much wherever at, at Chris Trent, at Jody Livingston, or of course over on the Facebook at The Longer Hall and even in the super secret podcast group. And so if you have not already joined that, you should head over and do that. Great interview today. Chris jumps on with Dan Navarro to talk about the new youth pastor compensation survey that's just been released. Uh, And you're going to want to take a lot of notes for sure. Also, make sure you stick around to the very end uh, where Dan gives you some great free resources as well as a uh, really cool webinar that's coming up for you that will be that we know you'll find really really helpful so make sure that you uh you don't bug out early on that um yeah so uh good good interview uh today also we just want to take a moment to thank our sponsors ym360 so head over to ym360.com check out all the stuff they have there whatever it is that you're looking for and needing uh they've got it whether it's uh Small group curriculum, camp resources, mission trip resources, um, just tons and tons and tons of good stuff over there. Good people. We love them uh, and are grateful for their support of the show. So if you like the show especially, make sure you tell them thanks for supporting it. Um, Also, make sure you use the promo code LONGERHALL, and uh, you will uh, save yourself 20% as you uh, head over there. Also, special thanks to the Student Ministry Network, the folks down at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board who have come along to help support us as well. We're grateful for them. So head over to studentministrynetwork.com and check out all the links and resources today that are mentioned, and there are quite a few, will be at thelongerhall.com slash episode 082. That's thelongerhall.com slash episode 082. So that'll do it for now. Uh, we'll head into the interview. Here is Chris interviewing Dan Navarro. Presentation. Well, hey, Dan, thanks for uh, hanging out on the longer haul, man. First time on. What's up? Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So full disclosure, you and I, we totally don't know each other. I don't think we've ever met at a conference or anything. If we have, I apologize, but I, I don't think we have. Is that right? Yeah. No, I, I met you on Facebook like two weeks ago, and that's been yeah. the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Well, let's talk about Dan for a second. How, how youth ministry? You're a youth pastor. If I'm right, you're a high school pastor out in California. Yes. Um, how did you get into youth ministry? Are you a product of youth ministry? Are you a church kid yeah, or not? Totally. Or what's up with that? Cool. So my I was not raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a good home. My parents got saved when I was a third grader as a result of me singing in the only free children's choir in town, which was at the church. 
pastor said something one day when I was singing in children's choir and my parents never left. We became a church family like overnight. I mean, hardcore, like life change. It was beautiful. Um, it's affected my whole, whole family tree, which is pretty great. Um, and so, uh, but I actually didn't have any interest in going into like vocational ministry all through junior high and high school as I, you know, was a youth group rat. Um, I mean, I loved youth group. I went to a couple different churches at one time. Um, my brother is a little bit younger than me. Uh, he's also a pastor and he felt a call to ministry as an eighth grader. And I was like, go get him, tiger. I- I'm not going to do that. And so in high, in, in, in high school, I, out all the way. I know, I know. Yeah, it, it was cool. I like, I volunteered with the, you know, youth group a little bit, played some worship music and it's kind of a student leader, but like I was going to go make money as an architect. That was my plan. I was doing some three dimensional rendering stuff back when toy story came out and oh, cool. um, yeah, it was really cool. And so I worked at an architecture firm all through high school actually. And I uh, was kind of content to go do that. And uh, my freshman year of college, God got a hold of me and said, eh, not so much. And so I ended up dropping my architecture classes in college uh, without telling my parents, which I don't recommend doing to all you folks in college out there. Yep. Uh, but my, my parents were super cool with it. And uh, within a couple months, I had uh, applied and gotten an internship at my home church, uh, Community Presbyterian Church in Danville, California, out in the Bay Area. And uh Started interning and going to school full time, and uh, just fell in love with the whole thing. Um, just to make sure I heard that right, you were Dan living in Danville. Is that I know. I Come on, pilot on, pilot on. Yeah, yeah. yeah I am, <laughs> you, probably, I am, you probably have never heard that before, right? No, I am Dan from Danville. Uh, no longer though. I've been out. I've been out of Danville now for what twelve years or something like there that. You go. So yeah. Um, and so I got into youth ministry as an intern and I really saw youth ministry as a stepping stone. I felt like early in the game, the call of God on me was to pastor a church one day. And, uh, so I set myself in motion to get a degree from a state school university and save some money and live at home and, uh, or live in, I actually lived in church housing too. And then, uh, was going to go to seminary or I did go to seminary, went to Fuller Theological Seminary. I got an MDiv from there. Um, and my goal was to be out of youth ministry by the time I was 30 and doing some adult ministry stuff. And, uh, the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. And so I, uh, at age 29, uh, my wife and I, I knew something had to give with where we were at up in uh, Modesto, California. And so I applied for, and got a high school pastor position just down the road in Turlock and, uh, at age 29, I decided that I was not going to be done with youth ministry, or I guess a better way of saying it is God was not done with me. And uh, man, it has been a wild ride. I've been uh, at Monta Vista Chapel in Turlock now for uh, a little over four years. and That's great. Yeah. And it's what's cool is, uh, you know, I, I'm a high school pastor primarily. That was what I was hired for. But I also get to function on our lead teaching team. So I'm, I'm in the rotation once a month for teaching our our adult services. And uh, I also kind of function in some executive roles, uh, kind of overseeing some logistics and things like that. So it's really a unique setup where I'm not a stereotypical youth pastor who just hangs out in the basement with kids and drinks Mountain Dew all day. I actually uh, get to do a whole bunch of other pastorally things um, in the whole process of the whole deal. But I love youth ministry. I bleed summer camp. Like you can't, you can't find somebody who loves summer camp more than me. And, uh, it's been really a fun season of doing high school ministry and a bunch of other stuff too. So, yeah, I think, I think that's great. As you get older, if, if you, you know, when we talk about longevity here on the, you know, the long haul a whole lot and obviously um, 
it is nice as you get older, if you have other giftings or other desires, it, it really is awesome when you're able to flesh those out in some ways. Like, so it's, it's cool to get to, you know, to hear somebody say, Hey, you know, like I still love youth ministry. I want to keep doing youth ministry. I want to keep doing summer camp, but I also recognize that I have to have a gifting and teaching and I want to teach, you know, so yeah. the fact that your church is giving you that outlet um, in, including leadership, you know, giving you some abilities to to do some of the leadership type thinking, vision type thinking, and and even managing some yeah. as well. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty unique. We're we have twelve pastors on staff at our church, which I know is a high number given the data that I collected. Um, I mean, a vast majority of youth pastors are the second pastor at their church, and so they end up functioning as everything when senior pastor's gone or things like that. Uh, it's really cool. Our boss says, man, I keep your job description on a whiteboard. It changes as the Lord leads. And so if you feel tugged in a certain direction or, man, you feel like God is inviting you into something new, we want to see you try and pursue that and see where that goes and keep that uh, kind of open-handed. And so it's been really a beautiful picture of the kingdom, I think, that it doesn't matter really what my title is. I get to care for widows and you know do funerals and serve communion and baptize kids and do a church leadership class. Like I can, I can do it all. So it's kind of, kind of yeah, a cool situation. Yeah. yeah. That's great, man. That's good stuff. And I think what's beautiful about that also is that really does help youth pastors to, um, indicate that there's, there's more to you than just hanging out with kids. Even though we know that it's more than that. We know that youth pastors yeah. do more than just hang out For and sure. drink mountain doing stuff. We know that there's more to that. And I know you didn't mean that like literally, like, you know, that there's a whole nother layer to that, the relationship stuff and the pointing all that, oh, yeah. the weight of that. But that said, it is nice to be able to open, you know, spread your wings a little bit and do some of the things because it does bring value to what you're doing. I think that'll help you experience longevity for sure. Right. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it lets me, it lets my heart come alive in some other areas when maybe youth ministry, you know, I'm, I'm in year, my fifth school year now at this church. So we got a pretty good rhythm and, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, oh, you're finding anything. A, that's when it starts to get really sweet too. Oh, it's, it's been it's somewhere a, like a, four or five years. It's a blast. And I'll tell you what, like in my role specifically, I get to be on the plat- the main platform a lot, man. Recruiting staff is a blast when everybody knows your name already. I mean, it's yeah, really great. So that's anyway, good. good stuff. Yeah, that, that, That's me. That's great, man. Well, Dan, somewhere along the line, you got an itch to dig in a little bit, do some research related to youth pastors compensation. So something yes. happened in you. Um, and and I think I've seen that thing a couple times. So somewhere along the lines, I've uh, it wasn't just this first year. I think I saw it last year, maybe even the year before. Yes. But um, tell us kind of how what stirred in you that caused you to do a little research there, and 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 then we can jump into this year's specifically. Cool. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of been a combination of things. So the first thing I think that helped me pay attention to this was my dad uh, was in management uh, in hospitals for a long time, and so. He did a lot of hiring, firing, annual reviews, promotions, things like that. And so he was always in my ear saying, you know, son, no, places don't pass out raises. That's not how you usually get when you got to ask. And so that, I think, t- tuned my antenna up a little bit to compensation and why some people may not um, pay attention to compensation. And then, you know, applying that principle to ministry and understanding like, you know, every dollar that goes into my paycheck is a dollar that's not going somewhere else that the kingdom may need. And so... There's this kind of martyrdom that can happen and things like that. But really what it came down to was my, I'm 32. My situation was changing rapidly. 
my wife and I got married. We moved to a more expensive city uh, to live uh, in Turlock, where our church is. Um, and at the same time, found out we uh, got pregnant, our second pregnancy, and it happened to be twins. And so now I had two babies coming to already go with uh, one boy that I had. And so all of a sudden, it's like, holy smokes, I'm like 28, 29, 30, and I'm growing up quick. And I realized, man, my my compensation, it makes it hard to be a family of five living in a pretty, you know, pricey part of the world and just like had to buy a minivan, like like real life stuff. And so what I did was I said, you know what, can I figure out, am I being compensated fairly with some concrete numbers? And if if I can find some numbers that say, hey, I'm real, I really deserve a raise, I'd like to take those to my boss. And so this this started out like two and a half years ago. And uh, I put a simple Google form up in a couple Facebook groups of youth pastors. And uh, I was hoping for like 50 responses. And within the first 24 hours, I was over 500 responses. What? Wow. You're you're on to something. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, ooh, this is a pain point. And it it had about 25 or 30 questions. Um, So it was a pretty robust form to begin with. Like I was asking for housing allowance and social security and all kinds of stuff, not social security numbers, like opting out of social security. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and I, I found it, it was a pain point and, you know, within, within a few, within a few days, weeks, I had, um, like a thousand respondents. And, uh, so what I did was I, I had a, a youth ministry contact. My wife used to work for youth specialties, um, as a church relations director and, she had me connected with Adam McLean, who's now at the youth cartel. And yeah. so I, I sent him a message and man, he just loved what I was doing and what it was about. And so he offered to publish it on their website. Uh, Cause I was an, I'm a nobody, you know, I'm a nobody trying to tell everybody about a somebody. And uh, so I really was a nobody. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so Adam was gracious enough to edit and publish um, the first survey results and uh, send it to his email list and things like that. And man, it just took off. And so we did it again. Um, Chris, within 24 hours of the report going live, I was on the phone with Christianity Today and they wanted my data and they wanted to talk about how wow, we have man. a long, it was super cool. Yeah, they they, wanted, really a long, cool. Yeah. they wanted a long-term partnership. And so now all of a sudden it's like, man, people really want to know about this and there's just nowhere, like all the data is old that's out there. And, you know, it's not usually centered around youth pastors and, you know, people who are starting out in ministry, a lot of it. Yeah. So I just tried to help and uh, that's kind of how I got into it and I became pretty passionate about it. So that what's cool is that's led to you. And so is this the third one? The one that just came out? Is this the third one then, or the second it's, it's one? The, it's the second one. It's the second, second one. one. Okay, so this so it, it's a so little confusing. We do we do the survey in 2018, and the results dropped in 2019. Yeah, of course, so that's why. Yeah, yeah. So so really, this is sort of the lessons learned from the first one that you kind of threw together. Now you've taken all that you learned from that, and that's resulting in what we're looking at now, right? Yeah, it, it really what it amounted to was I went from about 30 questions to 50 questions, um, added in some stuff on location, geography, zip code, state, uh, and then uh, more information on um, gender and race and things like that. So it, it got more specific on the type of person and the profile of the person. Uh, and I mean, the holdover on youth group numbers and church size and budget and all that kind of stuff is all still the same. So. That's great. So folks that are listening, you know, here's the deal. Uh, if, if you're serving out there, you know, you know, in a church, either part-time, full-time, um, one of the things that's important is to start to get your, kind of get your hands around your head around, man, what is fair? 
and what is what is fair compensation and what because a lot of times we don't know what we can ask for or what we should ask for and not only that there's that whole additional issue of the spiritual side of things of calling and serving Jesus and the mindset that comes along with that at times, you know? Um, so trying to get all that. So it does help if you're willing to do your homework and study these type of things, because it'll help you to know when you're sitting down and they're like, well, how much, you know, well, how much should, do you think we should be paying you? Whatever. It'd be great if you're able to say with intelligence and with <laughs> having actually yeah. learned this stuff, well, I've done a little research on that and youth pastors typically at my stage of life are getting paid this, you know, yeah. and that's kind of fair market value right now. Yeah. Um, and that that's actually the phrase that I've really put all my eggs in the basket of what does the market indicate that I'm worth? And I th- I'm sure we'll talk about that when we jump into the yeah. survey. But, yeah, sure. But man, that guys, some guys just aren't, they're, they're either they're not a part of a, a youth pastor network or they grew up at a church and they, all right, we'll start you at a few hundred bucks a month and they just kind of grew from there. Like, a lot of guys aren't in the marketplace to actually know what's being offered and what's being not offered out there for somebody with their area of expertise and education and tenure. That's great. Yeah. Well, so there's way more to the report than you and I probably have time to really dig into. So I've got a few things after having looked at it a couple of times that I want to touch base with you about, get you to dig in a little bit. Um, But I want to encourage everybody. Of course, we'll, we'll, we'll add this to the show notes page, but I want to encourage everybody to go out and, take a look at the report, you know, download the report and we'll add that here. And I'll give you a chance at the end to really point people in that direction on how they can do that. Um, before I dig into some specifics, any, would you just kind of give me an overview of what you learned? Just kind of a quick. Yeah. Yeah. So in year, yeah. year one, we had 1300 respondents, basically year two, we had over 2000 respondents, uh, 1500, which were considered full time. And so, obviously it's not getting smaller. It's growing. It's, it's people are uh, really in need of the data is what I've found in terms of conversation online. Um, And I think what, one of my biggest takeaways from the whole deal, I think there was two real pain points that popped up. Well, maybe three. Okay. I'll say three. One was the gender wage gap. Um, It is more difficult. It is more difficult to be a woman in, in youth ministry than it is to be a man when it comes to compensation. That's just what the numbers say. Um, and I, you know, I realize, you know, we swim in a wide theological river and some people don't even think women should have a business in that. And I, you know, whatever, that's not what I'm about. I'm just saying if we're all, all things equal, then we should be equal. And then, um, I think the second thing is realizing that, uh, a ton of youth pastors don't even have annual reviews, which is the proper place to ask for a raise and to, to talk about compensation with your superior or your board or something like that. I mean, it, the numbers were staggering on that. Mm. Um, yeah, like eighty percent of youth pastors didn't have an annual review in the last year. Wow, we have two. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I got it wrong. Eighty percent did not ask for a raise. Sixty-five percent, sixty-four percent did not have an annual. Okay, review. Okay, I got you. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, those are definitely correlated together because if you didn't have an annual review, chances are you're not asking for a raise because. It, you know, you just don't walk in your boss's office and say, Hey, I got something to talk to you about and drop a bomb like that on them. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of one of the things that I realized we're not being managed well, we're not being reviewed well. And that kind of quashes the conversation, squashes the conversation. Um, so let's see, I said gender, I said the reviews. Oh, and then the third thing that I found, and this relates directly to longer haul is tenure and being in one place at a long time 
actually does not lead to a higher compensation than somebody who's jumped around a bunch. Um, and that that's really disheartening for me. You would think that you know longevity is such a valued asset among youth pastors. Nobody wants their youth pastor to be at their church two or three, four years. They want somebody who's going to be there a decade plus. And yet the people who have tenure, who have been at their church for 10 years and haven't you know had other jobs, the, the numbers say they're making significantly like 10 to 15% lower than guys who get into, you know, the five-year bracket and, or gals get in the five-year bracket and then take their five years of experience and go down the road to somebody who's willing to hire them at a higher rate. And that was the part that's really troubling for me. And I think it relates directly to longevity. We're, we're actually incentivized according to my data to, to not stay in one place for very long. Um, cause my experience is worth more down the road to somebody else. Um, and that 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 to me is really troubling for our industry. Like, yeah. give me a reason, give me a reason to stay, right? Pay me what the market indicates I'm worth, and then I won't have to go look for another job to get the raise that you know my experience says that I'm really worth. Yeah. Um, so so that was one of the things I wanted to do a deep dive in. So let's do, cool. let's let's jump in there for a minute. Let's jump into okay. this this twist on tenure. I think is the the you know the yes. title there for that particular section. Yeah. Um, that was troubling for me too. Um, when I read that, I was like, dang, but it makes sense, right? Because we do see, um, we do see youth pastors leaving, um, often, you know, and often that is tied to the fact that I can make a little more, not always, but often it is tied to the fact that I can make more money if I go over to that place or if I move to that place. And there's this constant, you know, turnover that seems to be taking place. And I think it's fair. And your numbers are showing that one of the reasons for that could be tied to money. Right. And so I I think, and I think, I think more specifically than it being tied to just the pure dollars is youth pastors. A lot of them are, it's their first ministry job and they start out as a traditional W-2 employee, no housing allowance. And a lot of them are single when they start. And so they don't need family medical insurance. They don't have a spouse right. or any kids. And then all of a sudden over the five years between you know 25 and 30, they get married, have a family, buy a house and realize, holy smokes, uh, I, now I got to pay hundreds of dollars a month for my kids' medical insurance. And my already small salary is shrinking, not getting bigger. And so they go, oh man, I'm going to go look for another position where they offer family medical or, you know, they, they want a married couple with kids. And so they, they've got a package that lets the spouse not work and things like that. And so it's kind of a little bit of a trap, like in, in a sense. Yeah. So one of the chapters in my book um, that, that I talk about is, man, if you want to experience a life of longevity, I talk about living a life of simplicity. That yeah. you have to understand that when you're 25, it's a little bit of a badge of honor that you don't make nothing, yeah. <laughs> that you or that you exactly. make nothing, that that you make, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, I mean, you, you know, I make a living, living. And, and it's okay then. But all of a sudden, when you have kids and you have family and you start wanting to take vacations, that's when y- y- it's going to be really helpful if you've made the decision to live a life of simplicity, so that you are able to afford t- to live because youth pastors really are never going to make a killing. However, I think you're talking about something a little different here, which is now we have to start to weigh the balance. If I'm right, if I'm understanding that right of, okay, well, is it worth the strains of having to move my family, family a whole lot and how that's going to impact my kids over and over and over again? Is it worth giving up the incredible fruit that comes from being in a place for a long time 
in order to make, you know, a little more or even a lot more money. And that, that creates a real challenge, I think there. So what do you think is the answer to that? What are some, as you've processed this and you've had these conversations, what do you think a youth pastor can do to help change that a little bit in terms of not having to leave? Yeah. Uh, so I think the, the first piece is, is, I mean, full transparency. It's actually having an annual review. I think that right. is a, the, one of the yeah, first steps you good. can do in terms of because what okay let, let me let me back up a step a step from that what happens is oh man I have a kid now all of a sudden I've got medical coverage or whatever I'm you know my instance I had to buy a minivan right right okay I got I got to buy a new car so that's a, a an expense that does some things to my finances now I have two choices I can suck it up and deal with that internally with me and my spouse or. I can, you know, say to the boss, "Hey, you know, life is changing. My literally, my cost of living just went up drastically. Like, can we talk about some compensation?" And what happens is, if I, and this isn't always the truth, but what happens a lot of the time, I've found, um, and this is true in my story, even if I don't talk to my boss or my board about my compensation, I have a tendency to drop some, uh, uh, to drop a, wa- a drop of water of bitterness in a bucket. Mm-hmm. A- and yeah, because I don't feel like they're aware of the strain that my life is going under as it's changing so rapidly in my late twenties and early thirties. Um, I mean, my household income, if you chart that and my household expenses, I mean, it's, it's ugly, especially out here in California. And, uh, so what happens is if I don't talk about it outside of my, my bedroom with my spouse, I have bitterness that starts to creep in. And the more drops of bitterness you put, you know, oh, one more, one more youth event, one more church event. And it's like, man, but I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting low compensation for all this sacrifice. And now I'm not home with my baby. Like, come on, hang on a second. You, you, the bitterness creeps in. And what happens is enough drops of water in that bucket. Eventually the bucket gets pretty full. And what happens is a lot of guys and gals kick the bucket and they say, forget it. I'm out. Mm. And, and, Man, Man. You, everybody suffers when the kingdom loses good people doing kingdom ministry. Your students suffer, their families suffer, and I, I think it's that. So, if I can say, we want to avoid the bitterness bucket, pretty hardcore. We want, we want, we want to figure out how do I deal with the things that I would normally get bitter. At? How do I surrender those? How do I have open hands about my compensation and my my situation and my church's situation? And yet, I'm not just living out a calling, but I'm actually living out a sustainable career. Uh, and so the first step I think that you can do to shore that up is actually make your compensation an ongoing conversation with your boss or your board. Um, and that's the first step is having an annual review. I mean, more than half of youth pastors don't have an annual review. That to me says there's a bunch of youth pastors out there who are struggling with their compensation and they're not talking to anybody about it. And what happens is we we are human and sinful and we get bitter about nobody's hearing me. Nobody knows what I'm dealing with. Dan, I, even I love that for a bunch of reasons, and especially for what you're talking about specifically. But that annual review and requesting that also helps, though, in other areas of what you're doing. And it's huge, when, and especially when it comes to if you don't know whether or not you're being successful or not. In other words, if you don't have a moment set aside where you can have a conversation with those that supervise you, um, those who ultimately are making judgment calls on your success, um, if you don't have that moment for them to say, 
actually we're struggling. We're a little worried that you're coming in late all the time or, you know, or we're a right. little, hey, or, Hey, you're hey. really doing good in this. Keep that up. Or, Hey, I feel like you're focusing more on Wednesday nights when really we want you to focus more on Sunday mornings. And if you don't have a place to talk about those things, um, that's whenever all of a sudden I think their bucket of disappointment is filling up yes. as well. And, and then, then it get gets too late that meeting that nobody wants to be. In. And then it's like, and you're going away. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know all yeah. of that. Right. And so that's why. And, and this is really what's what's unfortunate is this is really us leading from the ground up. So this is kind of how to lead when you're not in charge. You know, Clay Scroggins type yeah. book here. This is yeah. you're not in charge, but you're having to speak to those that are and say, hey, can you do this for me? And that and that's, that's and- some powerful stuff there. And it, it, it and it, one of the the weights that I know a lot of youth pastors, especially because they're young and they're you know whatever bottom of the totem pole, a lot of the times they're balancing that. Well, it sounds like I'm greedy when I want to come in and talk about my performance, or it sounds vain or prideful or arrogant. And and I I, I always say humility is not have not thinking too much or too little of yourself. It's having an accurate view of yourself. And so it, in proper humility, to be able to say, hey, you know, we baptized this many students, we. We saw this many staff get recruited. I mean, just being able to talk about what you're doing is a good thing. And and then, you know, the, the Johari window, I don't know if your listeners know what the Johari window is. Maybe you can put something in the show notes about that. But I don't, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. So okay, the, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, yeah. it's this way of seeing yourself and people that was, it came up by two guys named Joe and Harry. They called it the Joe Harry window. Uh-huh. Um, and it basically it, what it speaks to is you don't know what you don't know. What's in your blind spot? You have to have a conversation with somebody about what you don't know about yourself or your performance mm. so that so that you actually then bring it into light and go, oh, man, I they, they they don't want me doing as much program. They want me doing more relational stuff or they don't care that I'm spending a bunch of time with students. They want to see me empower other leaders to spend time with students like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, right. And That's so good. that annual that annual review, a lot of bosses don't initiate that. And so youth pastors have to lead up and say, hey, you know we need to get this on the books and it needs to stay on the books every year so that, or, or biannually so that I know, and you know that this is conversations coming and you can give me an honest evaluation of what's going on. Um, and I actually have, I know a lot of youth pastors and a lot of senior pastors or bosses don't, don't know how to do that. Cause we have theology degrees. We went to school to study the Bible, not to run a corporation or right. a business. Yeah. And we're not, we're not HR experts. And so on my website, I've got a free seven-page downloadable template that you can use for an annual review. It's a two-part annual review, and you come with something filled out. Your boss comes with something filled out, and then you talk about that, and then you come back later, and you have a game plan in place for how you're going to develop and grow. And like I've used that the last five years with my boss. Actually, he's used it with me. I borrowed it from him and adapted it for youth ministry. And I mean, there's a spot in there to talk about compensation and responsibility and hours and job pressure and relationships with coworkers. I mean, there's, it's everything on there so that everything is brought into the light and, and your boss has a chance to bring it into light and you have a chance to bring it into the light and it's a safe place. So, so we're all about also Dan, not getting people yeah. fired. Like that's a big thing yes. for us as well. So here's the caution folks. If you're listening, I think what Dan is saying, and I think you would agree with what I'm about to say, Dan, I think you would, you can tell me if you don't though. Um, I, I think in most cases, this is, this is a great idea. This is something you should be able to, in most fairly healthy situations, this is great, right? But I would just say, if but but if you're out there listening, though, and you know that 
your pastor is in a really bad place right now, or things are just unhealthy, very volatile, and that he would look at you like you're just a knucklehead or like I've lost your mind if you come in with obviously use pray about this, think through this, approach this in the right setting, not in an aggressive um, you owe this to me kind of way, but in a way of true humility, just kind of saying, hey, I would love to just implement something like that. And I think in most cases it worked, but I would just say as a caution, pay yeah. attention to your environment and make sure that you don't, if things are in a bad place, don't make them worse. Um, so so just, just try to be smart. Seek out some counsel maybe. Uh, specifically about whether or not it might be a good idea for your, for your situation. So, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's really where I would say, you know, sometimes it depends on your church polity, but I mean, doing this alongside an elder or a deacon or somebody, somebody yeah, in leadership, yeah. is not your boss, like having the conversation start there. If, if things with boss aren't going well, yeah. like there's other, there's other avenues for this, but what happens a lot of the time too, is if it's not, if your boss isn't doing real healthy, all of a sudden, you know, they say poop rolls downhill, like that unhealth is going to have a chance of really affecting you. And, you know, then, then the, the bucket of resentment can get a little bit full, a little bit quicker. Yeah, so sure, man. Yeah. Something to be real careful about, man. That's good. That's really good stuff there, Dan. Thanks for that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. a couple other things in the, in the, in the report that, that jumped out to me here. Um, Far away. and it's a little, one, one of these is a little bit of what we've kind of already you know, talked about, but, but half, one of the things you discovered was that half of the folks that, that, that is it half that took the report or took the, uh, took the survey have been at their church less than three years. Is that accurate? Half. Yeah. Half of the youth pastors of the over 2000 youth pastors in our survey, half of them I've been at their current church location three years or less. Man. Yeah. And we think that should, uh, are you and I on the same page? We think that number should not be that. We think that should be higher. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. I think it should be higher, but the, the, one of the problems is staying in the same place, your salary, the numbers say your salary is lower. So, yeah. you know, I think one number needs to change first and then the other number will, you know, I think the, I think there's a correlation there, but yeah, we, we want youth pastors to stay in the same place. You want to see your sixth or seventh or eighth graders graduate high school, go through college, come back as adults and serve with your youth ministry. Like that's a huge kingdom win, but it takes a decade to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's bouncing back into what we talked about just a minute ago, which is going back to that. How do you continue? So you talked about the annual survey, but in that one way to help shift that a little bit is to continue to try to figure out ways to not let staying in the same place for so long impact that salary in a negative way. But, but increasing that compensation. Yeah. And I honestly, like what I've found is, and this is my own experience talking, yeah. I ask for a raise every year and I don't get a raise every year. I get a raise when I, when there's money to give a raise, cause I'm asking for yeah, a sure. raise. And but what it does is it takes the conversation and puts it on the stove, even if it's on the back burner. And then all of a sudden, I mean, you don't know your church could get a bequest, all kinds of things. And all of a sudden you go like, there's money in the budget and oh yeah, yeah. Dan, the youth pastor was asking about you know, maybe an extra 200 bucks a month or 300 bucks a month. And like that, that's not a ton of money. Like it just needs to be consistent money. And, yeah. you know, so all of a sudden you're like, Oh yeah, let's give them a bump. Let's even if it's one or 2%, if you get a 2% raise every year, like say you make 40 grand, you get a 2% raise, right? That's 800 bucks a year. Not, 
I mean, you can't go to Disneyland for $800, right? Right. Yeah. But if you get 2% every year for five years, you just netted another $4,000. You got a 10% raise over five, over a five year period. Now that's not bad for a cost of living raise. No, just, it's, just it's not taking into account any merit at all. That's, that's great guys. I know plenty of people out there that would kill to have a 10% raise over a five year period. And so you, you're just setting the bar a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher. Those big 20% raises, those, those don't come along very often where your boss walks in and says, you know, you did a great job this year. We're going to add a zero to your salary. Like yeah. That, yeah, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't happen. happen to me. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm, blessed. And, and, I'm thankful to be where I am and they, they're great. What's but. Sad is the, the way those raises happen, and this is also true of my story, is you have to leave to go get the big 10 yeah. and 15, 20% raises yeah. because you're – yeah, I mean, so create created a culture though to where so what we're fighting against then is creating some type of culture where then because you do want to stay at a long place. So communicating, yeah. I would love to stay here. I don't want to leave. I want to create some type of system to where I can get those raises, you know, and I can continue to to grow in that because what's going to happen is, and I think I read this in your report is. If you leave, they're going to end up having to pay somebody what you're making, if not more, in order to replace you. Uh, yeah, because yeah. if they want to replace you with your experience, right? Well, the the market indicates that that's ten percent higher than what, what they're, they're paying, paying you. you. Yeah, so but, they're stuck. But Dan, to be fair though, now now here's where where I, I do think it's important that as ministry people, we sometimes remember like this for lack of a better way to say it, like the secular world or whatever, you know, the, the normal work world outside of ministry, but that is consistent in as well though, for people that are working in secular companies also, correct? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So this stat, what you call the twist on tenure is fairly common in corporate world as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And without uh, the, my partner, if they don't ask for it or if they don't try to do something to continue it, to make it grow. Yeah, because there's not a boss in the world that's trying to take in, in a for-profit business. They're trying to put that money in their own pocket. So, I mean, that's just that's how business works. It's capitalism. So, in a nonprofit, it's a little bit different because you know you don't go down the street to your competing company. My 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 partner worked for Apple, and what what happens is people just get hired away. They come back six months later. And they would have the raises that they need. I mean, I, I know uh, several people who do that in the real world, the real world, the secular world. Yeah. And uh, it it's sick. It's sad. But, I mean, that's a business. They're not worried about relationships nearly as much as we are. That That's traumatic for our, our industry. Yeah, we got to do better. We got to do better. We got to <laughs> yes. find the right balance. And, and if there's a way Correct. as youth pastors that we can cast that vision to stay somewhere for a really long time but yet be fairly compensated and help them to understand that, that's where what I love – um, why I love what you're doing is this gives us actual data, makes us experts in what we're doing and, and allows us to communicate effectively, you know, in a way that could hopefully help us achieve some of these things. So that's and really I think good. It, it, it emboldens us also to, to know that our ask holds some power. When we ask for a raise, we're asking for it, not arbitrarily. And then the other piece is if you you don't feel like you get an answer that you want. You get to honestly weigh, do I think I could go somewhere else and have more longevity because of a healthier compensation situation? And it's not all wrapped up in dollars and cents, but you know, it, it's a slice of that pie that we have to weigh, especially as families grow and things like that. I mean, student loans kick in, all that That's, kind of stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, it matters big time. 
Well, hey, how about this question then? Um, maybe a little bit of the, a little bit of change here in in, in sure. topic here. Um, honest question: um, Is it is it an oversimplification? As as I've looked at at the report, is it an oversimplification for me to say that ultimately? Ministry is somewhat consistent with with corporate America, world, you know, the world, secular world, whatever, um, in the sense that ultimately the level of education, the level of experience, those things are ultimately going to impact positively or at least not get in the way of you continuing to make more money. Does that make sense how I asked that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not an oversimplification. I, I don't think I did it on this year's report, but on last year's, I actually made the point that of people who are 20-year veterans, uh, the split on who has their master's and who has their undergrad is pretty even. So it's not necessary that you go to seminary if you want to be a long-term youth pastor, per se. Um, but almost all of the 20-year veterans, it was like 95% plus, all had a degree. Right. So long, like, like education is definitely tied to longevity for, for sure. Because I mean, the reality is it, p- churches that want to pay top dollar for somebody want them to be as qualified as they can be. I mean, that's, that's the way it works in the real world. Or it's the way it works in the church world. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 one thing I've learned over the years too is, and, and so as I'm, as I have opportunities to mentor, you know, younger, right out of college age, you know, folks, I'm like, man, g- go to school while you can, like, get your college degree. And if it's all possible, if it can be, if it can be in the cards, um, and if God's not like steering you away from this, just going ahead and continuing your education, trying to knock out that master's degree, whether that be seminary or some type of equivalent. It's not that God can't use you without that, but man, oh man, oh man, it, 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 it's important because it at least eliminates that as a potential roadblock later on down the road. When you're 25, 30, it may not matter. But when you're 45 and you're wanting to continue, I can tell you as a 48 year old, having that seminary degree for me matters because it, it opens doors and it also doesn't shut doors. That that's the way I would say it as well, because there are some churches where I serve Johnson Ferry is a great example of that. You know, we have a three tier sort of system where we have ministerial level, like a program associate level. And then we have support staff level college degrees are required for all of those levels. But from a ministerial standpoint, seminary or an equivalent is a prerequisite period. And there are no, there's nobody on staff that is, you know, um, and it doesn't matter experience even, you know, and now that can be debated whether or not that's good or bad, but it is, it's the culture that I live in and it's the church I live in. And I know, um, I know lots of churches that, uh, that function. And now it may be kind of a Baptisty kind of thing. I don't know. You know, maybe that's a Baptist world yeah. kind of thing there. Maybe that's not true in some of the other, well, other I- settings, the, you know, but, um, but for us, I'm telling you, man, it's a big deal. I think one of the things that um, so some people go through this process, especially like college age, young, 18 to 22 type folks who are looking at ministry, they're like, okay, I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to go to seminary. Then I'm going to start ministry. And uh, graduating at 24, five, six, whatever with a seminary degree, but not having any experience under your belt is a recipe for a little bit of a disaster. That's equally detrimental. I agree. It, yes, it is. You really like no, nobody wants to hire somebody who learned how to serve the church in a classroom. Only. Right. Uh, it, it's a boots on the ground type of relational ministry. And so 
I really recommend that. Yeah. Get Booth that degree. And, and please work, yeah. work, work part time, <laughs> like work part time and, and work your way up or do an internship or whatever you got to do. And then the other piece of this is a lot of churches and even denominational bodies will give you money for school. Right. Yeah. They, they will pay for your books. They will pay. They will pay for all kinds of stuff. And because here's why, and this is why it's different than salary. For one, salary comes out of, of the general fund every single week or every single two weeks or whatever it is, every month. And so that that has to be given off of giving to pay for your salary. But to pay for school four times a year for a few years or whatever, that's going to come out of a designated fund a lot of a time. And that money has been sitting in the bank Somebody died or whatever, and they left the church some money, and it was earmarked for education. This happens all over the places, and people don't even know. They don't even know it's an option. And so asking your boss or your board, hey, can the church pay for this many units? This is how much dollars it's going to cost. Can they do that over a two-year period or a four-year period? Because it's it's not a long-term commitment. It's a short-term commitment, and that's a great investment in you, and it's like free money for yeah. you because then you don't have to take out a loan. I mean, it's – that. I, I got over $50,000 in support for my seminary education. I mean, my degree from Fuller is like 65 grand. Yeah. And so well, that's like, huge. I'm, not paying, yeah. I'm not paying on that. Yeah. It, it's like having a second mortgage, you know, if, if I was to take a loan out on that yeah. whole thing. So anyway. That's good. Yeah. Dan, would you agree that one of the keys to all of this um, then is, man, as, as folks are hearing these things, and we're going in and asking for, hoping for, trying to create systems that will lead to uh, better compensation. That if if that's true, one thing we need to make sure though is that we're good, like that we are we're working hard, we're striving to be excellent, and we're doing our job. Do you think that's a huge part of it? Yeah, I I. Well, my answer to that question is yes, we should work like we're working for the Lord because we are working right. for the Lord and everything and everything that we say and do. But I also would say do not shy away from an evaluative conversation if you feel like you're not doing a good job because you don't want to just come and talk about performance and money when things are going well because that looks really vain, right? Oh, I'm doing great. You should pay me more. That's not the conversation we're trying to yeah. have. We want it to be a conversation and you want your boss to be able to say, hey, you know, your performance this year was not what we needed it to be. Here's how you can improve and then develop, like grow. That's the whole point of the coaching. It's a coaching conversation. It's not just asking, can I get more money? I mean, you really want evaluation. And so don't shy away from it when you know you haven't done your best. Like that's an op- man, the year my wife had a hard pregnancy. We had twins. It was like, I was out of the office. I worked 25 hours a week for like four months. I mean, it was a year where I did not do my best ministry. I was less than present. Okay. I got through that season. I buckled back down. Yeah. Like, we're human. Like people know that you can't always give 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely would say it's very important. That's good. That's good. Well, man, this is all great stuff. As, as we get close to the end here, um, when you think of how to wrap this thing up, just some overall things you would want to say to folks. And in, in a few minutes, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of point everybody to all these resources. But yeah, when it comes to folks, if you're talking, say there's a youth pastor out there and they've looked at this thing, what, what would you, how would you wrap that up? What would be the kind of 
big takeaway for you or big takeaways? You could a couple or whatever that would you say, folks, I'm just, I hope you're hearing this part of it. Yeah. I, I try to land every single um, report that I do with an encouragement to not let this be the thing that snaps you. Right. Cause we don't, churches don't talk about money. It's taboo to talk about money. And so all of a sudden we have a conversation about compensation and like, man, people can walk out of that conversation. Like you could hear what I'm saying right now and be angry at the way you're being treated at your church, whether you think it's fair or not, or man, I haven't, I've been there five years and I've never had a review. Like I've heard all of that. We have a spot in our survey for comments and like uh, people wrote paragraphs about how painful their Mm. situation is. I mean, it's unbelievable the hurt that's out there. And so I don't want this conversation to be something that breaks you. I want it to be, I, I want it to be like you just got handed it a, the ace of spades and you're playing cards. Like I want you to feel empowered, but also stay humble. I, I want you to feel like this is supposed to encourage you towards, man, there is a path towards me making my calling a career and having it be sustainable and not killing my future or my family or my life. Like there is a path through that, but it takes, it takes attention. It takes care. It takes uh, right understanding of, of the landscape of compensation. And so I just want it to be an encouragement, yeah. not a discouragement. Yeah. And I know that there's definitely pain out there. And so, man, if you're out there and you're hearing it and you're, you're in a tough situation, man, God has you right where he wants you for the season that he has you there. And like, I'm not saying that season's coming to a close at all. Uh, I, I, the very end of my thing has what's called the Halverson benediction by Richard Halverson. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being there. Christ lives in you and he has something he wants to do through you where you are. Believe this and go in grace and love and power of Jesus. Like I believe that benediction is powerful when we remember that God has put us where we yeah. are, no matter what the dollars say. That doesn't mean we ignore it. That's all that's, no, that's <laughs> a good word. No, I mean, that's great, Dan. That, this is all really, really solid stuff here. Uh, folks, friends listening, here's, here's what I want to say to you. Um, it's important for you to do your homework and it's important to hear everything we're saying. But what Dan and I are not saying is to listen to a podcast and then walk into an office and, and, ta- and Hey, I listen to a podcast and this is what I want. Oh, Please. the logger halt said I'm worth 27% more. Yeah, yeah, than we I did not say this. Not what we're saying. Um, no, we did not do your homework. <laughs> study it like go ahead and you know as i as i give dan here just a second an opportunity to point you where you can get this thing download it read it yeah think through it read through with somebody that you trust that's wise Uh um pray seek wise count become an expert in it the best you can and then make a decision don't 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 set up an appointment next tomorrow (laughs) based on just listening to what we're saying, you know, take a minute, chew on it, you know? Um, look, you made it this far without making much money. What's another week or two, right? So (laughs) just take your time on this thing, Dan, how, how can we find you personally? And then point us to some of these powerful resources, including an opportunity coming up for like a free webinar that you're going to be doing. Um, and including your website where you mentioned earlier, like that eval thing. So what I did was I, I want to really turn the report into a, more of a conversation. So I, I've kind of started my own little side hustle. And right now we're not selling anything, but we're going to be at one point. <laughs> uh, it, right now it's called ypcomppros.com, ypcomppros, like youth pastor compensation professionals. 
And uh, you can go to ypcompros.com. There's a button at the top where you can click for the February 11th webinar. We're going to have a webinar. It's free webinar. And uh, you can ask questions real time about your specific situation in there if you want. We also have a button at the top for free tools. And uh, the free tools that we have right now that are available that you can download today, it's kind of a course thing that you download, but it's, it's super easy to do. Uh, a housing allowance calculator. A lot of guys just put the whatever they're paying on their mortgage. It's more than that that you're allowed to claim. Um, and then some stuff for opting out of Social Security and understanding the housing allowance, those, some forms for that. And then that annual review template that's seven pages long that you and your boss can use. Those are free resources you can download on our website right now. Uh, and then our plan is over the next couple of months to put together some classes, some master classes on things like interviewing, on understanding benefits. My wife is a benefits counselor for an insurance company, and it's her wheelhouse. So we, we've got all kinds of stuff coming down the road um, that will be tools that can equip you for how to nail a resume, understanding a cover letter, references, just some tips and tricks that will give you a huge edge in the marketplace as you think about your next opportunity. Um, and then we have a blog that where we're publishing some sub reports right now, um, some follow-ups to the bigger 14 page report that I put out. I mean, it's single space, 14 pages, a big, it's a big dog, but I didn't go specific on a lot of things. So we just yesterday, uh, dropped the gender wage gap blog. I did one, uh, as well this morning that went live on, uh, annual reviews and is all, and we'll all of that is on the, on the YP comp pros.com YP, YP, okay, yeah. you can sign up email list the whole nine yards now you have there. a personal website then, also though i don't have a personal website you can find me on instagram okay. facebook i'm at dan navara n-a-v-a-r-r-a awesome. uh, google me i pop up there and uh so the yeah, uh early, the, the, so the yp um comppros.com that's where you can also find the the eval stuff that you could do potentially with your boss as well right yeah, it's right there. Under it's that right free there resources. Free yeah, that's great, man. That's good. Cool. Man, this is this has been this has been awesome. This is a great conversation to have. And and I think I think one of the keys to longevity, man, is is understanding that all of this stuff really does matter, you know, and we need to take the time to educate ourselves in things that aren't always easy to understand housing allowances and what should I be making and cost of living. Um, it's called being a grown up, folks. <laughs> yeah. It, Welcome and, to be- it's, it's hard because nobody's coaching people yeah. through this. No, like there's not, there's nobody out there yeah. who's coaching youth pastors through this. And that's why we want to help. We really want to help you understand like, I mean, when I discovered what the housing allowance was and what opting out, like when I discovered those things, like, this doesn't even cost my church more money, but it puts more money in my right. pocket. Yeah, like that, I was like, I can't wait to do that. And I didn't even know it was an option for me until I stumbled into it. And so I'm trying to help people not make the same mistakes that I did. Um, and uh, that's yeah, good, man. I, I want you to laugh. Good stuff. That's great <laughs> stuff. Dan, thanks a ton for, man, I'm sorry Jody wasn't on. You know, I, I should have told everybody at the beginning, but, you know, Jody was, he's totally, he's, he, li- he lives in California now. And, uh, and so he's totally, uh, I think his in-laws are there for the first time since he moved out there, you know, a couple months ago. And so he's trying to make a big first impression as we're, we're recording this. Yeah. And so he, he wasn't able to join us. So just decide, but I wanted to make sure we got you on because this is such a great topic right now, man. And man, thank yeah. you for doing this. Thank, you know, 
shout out to uh to all the folks that are helping you said adam adam's helping you get this done and and yeah, uh so sure. so those folks man that the youth cartel for supporting you in this man that's that's huge as well so encouragement of those guys Very and, cool. so yeah man hey keep up the great work out there man if i'm ever in california dude will you take me to disneyland how close are you to disneyland I'm five hours. God, from that's not going to work, so, man. How about a state? And, how about and, a state park it, or something or the water, man? You got like a, I've never been surfing. How about oh, that? Yeah. Can you take me surfing? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. I'm, I'm two, I'm two hours from the snow and I'm two hours from the beach. Yeah. That's California. Okay. So I'm like the only youth pastor over the age of 40 that has never been snow skiing also. Um, so, uh, so we need to, we need to, yeah, we need to part, like do both in one. That would be, that's California. That's incredible. You can snow ski. Or, yeah, dude, I know. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> Awesome, Dan. Well, hey, Dan, thanks a ton for hanging out, man. We appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Man, well, there you have it. Uh, Man, great, great, great interview um, there with Dan. I hope you will take advantage of those resources, uh, especially the webinar, if you're listening to this when it comes out. Um, Be sure to head over to the show notes page at thelongerhall.com slash episode 082. We got links there for you for all of uh, those things. Uh, be sure also to head over to ym360.com. Check those guys out. Use the promo code LONGERHALL. Save yourself 20%. Um, and as well as the Student Ministry Network. And so we'll be back in the next episode, Chris and I, uh, tackling it together. Uh, we're grateful for you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.